Welcome to the Advent Calendar House, an increasingly inaccurately named salute to all holiday specials, but mostly the Christmas ones. I say that because this is what I hope will become an annual springtime edition of the show to discuss an Easter special, so I decided to start with a Rankin-Bass classic that's about Easter, but still very much leans on the crutch that is Christmas. The first Easter rabbit from 1976. I'm meticulous ice wizard who, like the Sith, deals in absolutes, Mike Westfall. And joining me tonight is worried talking snowball and returning guest, Brandon Medley. Welcome back, Brandon. Hey, Mike. How's it going? All right. How are you? I'm good. I'm just, you know, hoping that as we have a cold front right now just before Easter, that it doesn't mean that zero broke into the easter valley (laughs) oh jeez i hope not my kids cannot handle this uh for those listening for the first time or for those who haven't caught on yet i live in central florida i have three children born and raised here and they are not used to temperatures in the frigid not even freezing 40s and that's just in the morning it gets back up to 70 here anyway it's probably you're not too much farther north than i am but still yeah it's cold for march exactly i live in south georgia just about an hour north of the state line um and yeah i mean it was in the 30s this morning but i was walking around in shorts while i worked around the house this afternoon yep um in the yard so that's how it be but right, we were talking about the first Easter Rabbit. Now, this was your first time watching this, correct? It was. When you asked me if I'd seen this before, I wasn't sure at first. Um, I knew I had watched some Rankin-Bass Easter special. I did not realize that they had three different ones, about three different Easter bunnies. Um, I had not seen this one. I had seen the stop-motion one, um, but here comes Peter Cottontail. Okay, yeah, that was the first one they did. Uh, this one was done in the middle, 1976, and then they did another one after that that was a sequel to Santa Claus is Coming to Town called The Easter Bunny is Coming to Town. Uh, and Fred Astaire comes back for that one. I like that one better than this one, but I chose this one just because it leans so heavily on Christmas. It's actually kind of comical. Yeah, I in my notes when I was first watching it, I the first thing I have written down, of course, it begins at Christmas <laughs> because <laughs> yes. it's Rankin Bass and it all revolves around Christmas, it seems, even when it's the 4th of July. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, now, last time you were here, you aired your grievances about Frosty the Snowman and they were all very good ones. Did you enjoy this one more than you did Frosty? You know, I did. And I can't say that it's necessarily a good special or even that great a quality animation or anything, but I, I enjoyed it. I mean, I was also watching it for the first time. I just watched it for a second time just before we hopped on here tonight. You know, if I try to rank the, where it falls, I would say, you know, like, this is upper mid shelf Rankin bass. Really? For me. Um, for you. Okay. You know, like Frosty is probably lower mid shelf. You know, it's still not at the bottom, even though I really don't like it. I mean, <laughs> better than Nestor, the long-eared Christmas donkey, and some of those. Oh, um, poor Nestor. <laughs> but I, I did enjoy this. I mean, it could just be that you know, there's if you want Easter specials, you don't really have a lot to choose from. So that's very true. Can't be too picky. Uh, which is kind of strange, but I mean, this was Rankin Bass's attempt to. 
you know, kind of kind of hallmark the crap out of Easter like we've already done. So this was their second of three attempts that I know of. There are probably more farther down the line. But I would rank it probably a little lower than you, at least after this rewatching. When I watched it before, I did like the other one. I, I haven't seen Here Comes Peter Cottontail in a long, long, long time. Yeah, I was a child when I watched it. Okay. Easter Bunny's Coming to Town is my favorite of the three, and we'll probably do that next year. But uh, this one is probably my least favorite of the three because it relies. So it's a, it's a Christmas special that happens to take place on Easter. Um, and again, we'll, we'll just dive in right here. Right out of the gate, we have one, the return of Burl Ives as our narrator. This time he's the Easter Bunny himself. But right away, it's it's you have our Easter Bunny, Stuffy. The narrator's younger self, spoiler, who is given as a Christmas present to this girl. Yeah, and I mean, he even comments on, like, I know you're not expecting me because it's Christmas. Surprised to see me here instead of Santa Claus? Well, I can't say that I blame you since it is Christmas here. Oh, that's right. Because, yeah, because it starts... We started at Christmas, and it's very strange, even though it did come out in April of 1976. So, yes, we are expecting you. We're not expecting it to be snowy. Yeah. One thing I noticed right off the bat, aside from the fact that it was Christmas, is that this whole special he's referred to as the Easter Rabbit instead of the Easter Bunny, which is the common nomenclature. At least here in the States, uh, I did some reading up on it. And apparently in much of Europe, it's the Easter hare. Yeah, I think I've read that somewhere before. Not the same as a rabbit, not the same as a bunny, at least. But I mean, I don't know. Maybe rabbit sounds more stately than bunny. Perhaps. I don't know. Um, Perhaps they have that song, There's That Rabbit. There's that rabbit taking some blue from the and they needed to, which is a very catchy song. It is a very they rely catchy. on heavily. Yes, like they reprise it multiple times through the special. So perhaps um, they just wanted to to use that rhyming because I think they rhyme it with habit or something at the very beginning of that song, where Burlives explains, "Well, we need a neat. Uh, no, it's the fairy. Uh, we'll get to that later. We'll get to this later. Let's yeah. let's get back. Burlives." He himself is a Christmas connection because this is his second special. He was Sam the Snowman and Rudolph, which kicked off the whole Rankin-Bass holiday universe. And right away, as I when I was a kid watching this, I was like, hey, that's the same voice as that snowman. And even I, as a tiny kid, wasn't fooled that they're roping yeah. this for all it's worth. And, I mean, just like... The snowman narrator in Frosty looks like Burl Ives. This Easter rabbit looks like Burl Ives. It does. It's it's like Um, probably something you'd see on uh, DeviantArt these days. And then actually surprisingly, because the younger Stuffy is voiced by Robert Morse, Mm -hmm. who at the time had done, you know, how to succeed in business without really trying and a bunch of other stuff. But now is primarily known as um, playing Burt Cooper on Mad Men. Burt Cooper. Yes. And I did not – I know you already spoiled it now for anyone who has not watched this, but Stuffy becomes the Burl Ives narrator. They're the same person. It's him as an old rabbit. Um, I don't know why it should have been very obvious to me, but that was a surprise to me after the first time watching it. And Well, I don't know if it should because th- – the special is called The First Easter Rabbit, so this is supposed to be the tale of the first Easter Rabbit. And then at the end we find out it's just the same one. 
there aren't any more after him. Why are we insisting that this is the first? Good point. Um, That confuses me as an adult. As a kid, I was just like, eh, whatever. Yeah. What did confuse me is that Burl Ives has us call him by the initials GB, and then they never tell us what it stands for. Yeah, I noticed that too. I have a guess, but we're going to get to that guess later. But my point about bringing up Robert Morse now is that not only does the narrator Rabbit look like Burl Ives, if you look at Robert Morse as an old man now, it kind of looks like him now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, I didn't even... You're... Oh, man. You just blew my mind. Like, if you're... If people don't know what Robert Morse looks like, look him up if you didn't watch Mad Men. Um, yeah, well, as you said, he's he's Burt Cooper from Mad Men, so if you watch Mad Men, yeah. it's that guy. Yeah. But, but definitely look him um, up. Like, if you were going to draw a rabbit now for a cartoon that looks like Robert Morse, you would draw the same yeah, rabbit. Yeah, waistcoat and everything. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, uh, going on about Robert Morris, this appears to be his first animated special, but he went on to be a Rankin Bass regular. He was the younger Scrooge in the following year in The Stingiest Man in Town, which I love. And then he was Jack Frost. Oh, I didn't even... I looked at his IMDb and I didn't even notice that. He was the voice of Jack Frost in that Rankin Bass special, and then he did uh, a few other animated things. My favorite on his filmography list, he was a regular character on the cartoon Monchichis. Are you familiar with that? I know what they are. Okay. I did not see it. I don't remember watching the cartoon, but I remember the toys. Okay. There was a, there was, it, was, it was a Japanese toy, but then Hanna-Barbera made a cartoon about them, as they do. Mm-hmm. It was another variation of the Smurfs and the Snorks and the Biscuits. These are the Monchichis. And he was Moncho. The, he was kind of the tough-looking one with the headband. So, fun little mm-hmm. tidbit there. And now, um, the first thing listed on his IMDb page nowadays is that he, bringing it back to Christmas, voices regularly, at least on multiple episodes, has voiced Santa Claus on Teen Titans Go. Oh, wow. <laughs> All right. Well, I got to put that on my spreadsheet for some future season. I'm probably not going to fit it in uh, this coming December, but Teen Titans Go. Okay, so Stuffy starts out as this stuffed toy, a Christmas present. There it is again. For a little girl named Glinda and this poor girl. Brandon, you're a teacher, right? I am. What do you teach? I teach fourth and fifth grade special ed. Oh, special ed. Okay. Well, still, uh, this question still applies. Does Glinda's voice acting sound like a student you might ask to read in class who definitely does not want to read in class? I'm not sure how to answer that question. I got lost in the question. Okay. But she does not sound like any real child sound. No, she sounds like speaking. she's reciting the lines. Like, to me, the thing was, okay, she sounds like she's reading in class and does not want to read. It's just like... Yeah, okay, I follow you now. Oh, look, it snowed last night. Can I go outside now, please? Oh, look, it snowed last night. Can I go outside now, please? <laughs> it definitely sounds like that at the beginning. In the end, it she she seems to be have more inflection. She does. I did um, notice that. But it still doesn't sound like natural speech. No. At all. Even compared to the other people in the special. Right? And I mean, she's the only ch- – this has to be – I look her up. It's Dina something. Dina Lynn. And all her only credits on IMDb are other Rankin-Bass specials. So this is probably someone's kid or whatever – like child act voice actor outlet they go through. And so she just appears in this. Yeah. She actually 
her voice sounded familiar to me. Like she sounded just like all the kids on these Rankin Bass specials. So yeah, that's probably why. <laughs> but you compare that to like a Charlie Brown Christmas where they speak normally because with a Charlie Brown Christmas, they fed the lines to the kids and then recorded them repeating it with the right inflection. Yeah. Here it was like, oh, mother, I love him. Thank you. Yeah. And because at least that Charlie Brown Christmas, their first special, you can tell, like, at least once you know it, you can tell that they were fed the line and then they repeated it because it's got yeah. almost stilted at times. You know, you can tell that they're reciting something. But it comes off as charming and effective there. And here, it just came off as the opposite of that. <laughs> right. It is effective. It sounds like my seven-year-old daughter, like, repeating something with a word she doesn't understand. Like with, with Sally, when asking for, how about tens and twenties? My seven-year-old doesn't understand what the expression tens and twenties means uh, <laughs> regarding money. Yeah. Going back to the special, it definitely, as soon as it starts with this, it's like, oh, so it's like the Velveteen Rabbit. Yes. Let's get into that. And then she immediately gets sick, and it's exactly like the Velveteen Rabbit. Okay, so you know the Velveteen Rabbit. We're introduced to these three real live rabbits. They see Stuffy. Stuffy was left out in the snow next to a snowman. They, they find him left outside, and they realize he's not a real rabbit. And they're perplexed by this. And then Stuffy, you hear his internal monologue going, but I am real. I am. But he doesn't move his mouth because he's not real yet. But yeah, it pulls directly from the Velveteen Rabbit. Did you pick up on that right away? Yeah, it, but definitely by the time she got sick. But even whenever it was the other bunnies, the what do they call them? The, they have names, but they call them something bunnies. Anyway. Um, I don't remember them having a name. It's just, but but Burlives introduced them as three real live rabbits trying to yeah. pull this very elaborate, stupid carrot heist that never comes up again. But yeah, Charlton bunnies or something. I don't know. He says <laughs> oh, could be. first time. But anyway, yeah. Whenever they were that scene that you were just referencing, where you hear his eternal monologue, I was like, okay, yeah, like because she loves him or something. It's gonna he's gonna become the Easter rabbit. And then, you know, the next scene is when she's getting sick. Right. <laughs> and even as a kid, I thought they totally just ripped this off the Velveteen Rabbit. I didn't know here it's supposed to actually be loosely based on the book. But when I was a kid, I was just like, hey, that's from something else. Yeah, I saw on the Wikipedia page it says, you know, loosely it's based on this. But, you know, nowhere in the credits it doesn't no. say that. It, so, I mean, yeah, I would have thought, I just thought they ripped it off. I don't know if that book was public domain yet or not, but an odd choice that they just don't mention it. And it's just maybe the first chunk of this, and then they don't need it anymore. They don't come back to it at all. It's just Yeah, because Calliope comes, Calliope. which is not from the Velveteen Rabbit. Well, I mean, not the name Calliope, but... Is it? I, I really don't remember how he gets turned into a real bunny in the Velveteen Rabbit, other than the power of love. It's very, very similar. So Glinda gets sick with scarlet fever. And Doctor tells Mom to burn all of her old clothes and her old toys, including Stuffy. And so we have Stuffy sitting outside a pile of things to be burned, sheds a real actual tear for his life. And from that tear grows a flower from which a fairy emerges, saying, Because you were real to the little girl who loved you, you shall now be real to everyone. I'm paraphrasing there, but that line is taken almost directly from the Velveteen Rabbit of that fairy explaining to the rabbit in the book 
that you were real to the little boy who loved you, and now you shall be real to everyone. Okay. So I think that's what took me off. It's like the way fairy in the Velveteen Rabbit. I just remembered the power of love. Yeah, it's been a while. It's <laughs> a curious thing. It's like the power of love. Back to the future. <laughs> Happy Back to the Future Day. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I fit it in. I, I didn't even try. Brandon, have you ever been so sick that you had to like get rid of something you loved? Actually, yes. Oh, sort of. <laughs> I have not, but I just figured I'd throw it out there. Um, well, you had posted this in the show notes you sent to me, and yes, I did not have scarlet fever as a child and had to burn all my stuff because <laughs> um, I was not living in the turn of the century or whenever right. they're supposed to be at. But I did have bad allergies that I developed as a kid, and I was allergic to dust and dust mites and stuff. And oh, yeah. so, like. My parents had to like take up the carpet in my bedroom and put in hard flooring, and I had a bunch of stuffed animals. I really liked them, and the doctors were like, "Oh, you can't keep those around." Oh, and man. so like I didn't have to burn them. My parents got rid of them. Luckily, it was the eighties, and puffalumps were a thing. <laughs> wow, <laughs> do you remember those? Like, I do. They were like stuffed animals made out of like windbreaker material. Yeah, and so you could wipe them off. Uh-huh. Like, I was allowed to have those, so I had a couple of those that replaced all of my teddy bears and other stuff. Oh, wow. I remember them. I didn't have any. Yeah. Because, I mean, I had allergies, but they weren't that bad that I had to get rid of everything. But puffalumps, wow. I haven't thought about those in a long time. <laughs> yeah. They were the only ones I was allowed, so I remember <laughs> them. Right. So these three real live rabbits are trying to pull off some kind of carrot heist. And they're like these streetwise, you have whiskers, who is Don Messick, who has been everybody from Scooby-Doo to like every dog, Astro, he's Muttley, Papa Smurf, Ranger Smith, Boo Boo Bear. Here he's got this streetwise New York accent. We're gonna dig a long tunnel under all the carrot patches in the neighborhood while nobody's around. And when spring comes, we're gonna come back and steal the carrots from underneath. Totally undetected. And we have Spats, and Paul Freeze is back. Yeah. He's the ghost who follows you home. Welcome, foolish mortals, to the haunted mansion. Uh, more on him later, but Spats is the well-dressed brains of the operation. And then we have Flops, a very long-eared rabbit voiced by Stan Freeberg. Are you familiar with Stan Freeberg? Yes. And now that you ask me, I can't say how. Okay. But I knew his name. And I know that he, as soon as you say it, I'll remember it, that I'm blanking on why I know him. It's a lot of little things. He worked with Mel Blanc a lot on some early yeah. Looney Tunes. Oh, here's here's what I remember him mostly for. I just remember that. Okay. Um, Go ahead. Go ahead and I will butt back in. I want to check this before I open my mouth. Okay. There are so many things. I mean, the thing that comes to mind immediately for me is the Three Little Bops Looney Tunes cartoon. And he does... Pretty yeah. much all the voice work for that. He's the pigs. He's the big bad wolf. He's the uh, singer, the narrator. Uh, all right. What he is to me is the beaver on Lady and the Tramp. Okay. Yes. That's the role that I knew him from. Mm-hmm. He's a beaver on Lady and the Tramp. But strangely, I thought that was the same. I don't think – because that beaver is very similar to Gopher from Winnie the Pooh from those movies. Not Stan Freeberg, I don't believe. I don't think okay, so. But. Um, when you come to Stan Freeberg's IMDb page, like the known for, the top thing is Lady of the Tramp as the beaver. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, which is kind of surprising considering how much he's done. Um, no, he is not Winnie the Pooh. It's beaver. No. Or gopher. Um, 
he's not in the book, you know. <laughs> but yeah, Stan Preverb did a lot of early comedy recordings, like radio shows and, and comedy records and voice acting. Um, again, I, I mentioned he was often paired with Mel Blanc a lot. So if you hear two voices kind of mingling together, it's not Mel Blanc twice. It, Stan Freeberg's the other one. They kind of do a lot of the same voices. So, you know, Hubie and Birdie the Mice. Stan Freeberg was Chester the Little Dog next to Mel Blanc, Spike the Bulldog. And then he was the narrator on a little show called The Wuzzles. Do you remember The Wuzzles? Yes. Again, I remember the toy more than the show, but I do remember that show being on. I just don't think I watched it regularly. And that was just a regular, boring Disney narrator voice for that one. Anyway. Does Stan Freeberg do any voices on any of the Disney attractions? You know, he has to. I have to look again. Like, is he a voice on, like, Carousel of Progress or anything? I don't know. It seems like he should be. He's not. We're going to pause and look it up right here. Doesn't look like it. No. He had a part Definitely. cut from Alice in Wonderland. Not the ride, but the the old movie. He was supposed to uh, sing the part of the Jabberwock that never made it into the final movie. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well. Definitely seems like a voice that should be in some Disney red. Yeah. I like My guess would have been Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. One of those. Because you hear a lot of those kind of character voices that sound familiar. But that might just be because they sound familiar because of the other ones. Uh, because I've written on Pirates of the Caribbean so many times. Right. But Flops is here to make ob- observations with big words. His order is unsniffable, undetectable. Alas, my men, behold that silly looking rabbit sitting over there. He's like the Wordsworth from Heathcliff Cadillac Cats. <laughs> <laughs> or he's like, he reminds me of Mike Tyson using big words out of nowhere. <laughs> like, he's an intelligent dude, but no one expects him to be intelligent. So they're always surprised to hear him use big words correctly. That's Flops. That's Stan Freeberg. We gotta get back down to... Are we still talking about Calliope? We are still talking about Calliope. She sends Stuffy on a mission to become the first Easter rabbit. Okay, I have something I wanted to say about Calliope. Go ahead. Calliope states that each holiday or season needs its own symbol that's exactly where i was going continue and i wish they would have explained them all i know they sing a song about you know christmas clearly has a lot of symbols rankin bass's bread and butter is making a special about each one winter has jack frost i wanted to know who is halloween's symbol in the rankin bass world because to my knowledge, do they even have any Rankin Bass Halloween specials? I couldn't think of one. They have one. They have one about Jack O'Lantern, uh, who's an Irish ghost. I've never heard of that one. Oh, you got to look that up. Okay. It's not great. It's not their best. <laughs> they had a full-blown stop-motion movie in the 60s called Mad Monster Party. Yeah, I knew that. I wasn't sure if that was Rankin Bass. I knew that it was definitely looked like their style, but for some reason I thought that might have been somebody else. I've never watched it um, I because it was one of those I'd heard about for years but wasn't available. And then all of a sudden, the last few years, it's been available, but I haven't sat down to watch it. Okay, yes. Mad Monster Party is definitely Rankin Bass produced. It makes sense. But that's more of an adult one. <laughs> it looks like their stuff. Yeah. Um, but I thought it was funny because – Calliope's over here like, Easter needs a symbol. Does it? They kind of have one already. It's kind of a downer, but it gets happy at the end. 
<laughs> yeah. You could not um, do that today without but, so more on Easter, but I mean, yeah. I get what they're going. I mean, they never acknowledge Jesus in any of their Christmas specials, so we can't really expect them to here. Especially not, you know, acknowledging the baby Jesus is one thing. <laughs> no, they I, they kind of hint at it with, they have Little Drummer Boy, they have Nestor, so they hint at it, but... <laughs> yeah, they do have the Little Drummer Boy and the Nestor one. Um, yeah. But still, acknowledging baby Jesus is really different from acknowledging, you know, the death of the cross. Right. <laughs> and again... <laughs> a little more kid-friendly, I guess. Right, and, and the rank and best thing is they... They like to create their own little origin stories for a lot of these. They had Santa Claus is coming to town. They're focusing on that, the first Christmas tree. So I understand where this song was supposed to be going. It just kind of gave me a little laugh. Uh, I mean, the legend of the Easter Bunny came over, I think, with the Pennsylvania Dutch. Yeah. Like Santa Claus came over to the colonies, and then we hallmarked the crap out of them until you get cartoons making up origin stories based on completely unrelated stories. And here we are. I like the song um, that they acknowledge that the Easter rabbit or bunny just makes chocolate, not just eggs. Yes. <laughs> because as a kid, you know, any stories about the Easter bunny is always just, hey, oh, he makes eggs and he brings eggs. And, you know, as a kid, I got more chocolate than I ever got eggs. I did too. And I, I even got a few little surprises that I had to hunt for around the house. But yeah. definitely more chocolate than eggs. But I think the egg thing was part of the whole Easter hare tradition that came over. Because eggs symbolize new life and everything. Yeah, I mean, it's all just the fertility stuff. Yeah, right, fertility. Springtime. In the song, they explain that the Easter Bunny takes the color blue from the sky, mixes it with yellow buttercup dye to make the trees and grass green again. That's awesome, and they show it once, and that's it. Where's my special about that? Yeah, there were so many cool things in the song that they hinted at, or things they would reference just once that then they spend all their time focusing on Santa Claus and Christmas. Right. They never get to, okay, here, why does the Easter Bunny do all this stuff? Why did they deliver chocolate and eggs? They sing about it, and then it's just like, all right, we're doing this now. And why were those chicks in the song, why didn't they have beaks? Because they were freaky looking without beaks. Yeah, they had, <laughs> oh, man, like lips almost. Yeah, it's just. Something's missing. Or a little Philly fanatic looking bird thing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's a bird. He is? <laughs> yeah, the Philly fanatic is a Galapagos bird, like a flightless bird of unknown species. I never knew that. I thought oh, yes. he was just a fanatic. <laughs> he was his own thing. <laughs> little, so, <laughs> fun fact there for you. Back to this special. So to become the Easter rabbit, Stuffy has to go to Easter Valley where the golden Easter lily blooms, which Calliope tells him is over the hills to the west of the sun and beyond the third mountain. Here we go like in Frosty with these weird directions. Yeah. West of the sun. In, which ends up being near the North Pole, but they get there by going through a tree. Yeah, you know, now I'm thinking west of the sun. Now, there was that Calvin and Hobbes comic where the sun sets near Flagstaff, Arizona. <laughs> west of that, you take I-40 from Flagstaff and you get to Barstow, California. Beyond the Third Mountain, there's a mountain range south. Los Angeles. They're supposed to go to L.A. Um, that'd be a different valley. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Easter Valley is right next to the North Pole for some reason. Yeah, and for some reason, Santa Claus like is in league with this ice monster Zero. 
Yeah. Like, well, first of all, you have Calliope warning Stuffy. She says, Easter is only two weeks away, so hurry, 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 hurry. But beware, beware of zero. Beware of zero. And then disappears forever. Yeah. <laughs> we never get help from Calliope again. Nope. She's like, my work here is done. I just turned toys real. Rest is up to you, kid. Yeah, and so they said that Zero is the ice monster. Well, I wrote down ice monster. I don't think they ever refer to him as that. Um, who's responsible for keeping the North Pole cold. Yes, he keeps the North Pole white and snowy year-round. So he's in league with Santa. He, he's not yeah, inherently a bad guy, or at least his job description isn't. But he seems a bad. And I, and I had written down, like, why is Santa have an evil ice wizard in charge of the North Pole. I don't know. It's, it, it, Zero's hang-up, I think, is just Easter Valley. Maybe he became bitter because Easter Valley is at the North Pole, and that stays in eternal spring thanks to this magical golden lily. And Zero's pissed off about it. Yeah. He's like, I'm trying to keep the natural order of things here. And he has this talking snowball sidekick named Bruce, and I had written down, what a lame name. And then... No, wait. It occurred to me that it's not Bruce, it's you, you say it. Bruce? Yeah. <laughs> Bruce? Bruce? I'm coming! Ooh, ooh, zero! That was lost on me the first few times they said it, and then I really like it. <laughs> that was lost on me until I watched it this year. So, okay, Burl Ives is doing the same rolling R that Zero does. Zero, it's just his accent. Bruce? And I didn't get it until watching it this year. It's a joke. He's a snowball. He's cold. It's Bruce. I don't think any kid watching this caught that until maybe now. It took me 30 years to pick up on that. So it's a great joke, but it's buried. Yeah, and I think I might have read it written before I even caught it. Like a better joke is that Zero is voiced by Paul Freeze. <laughs> that which, you know... We missed that in, in Frosty, and that, that upset a guy that we didn't point that out. So here you are, Nick Maine from the Archive. Paul Freeze plays Zero, <laughs> and that's not all. Zero's sidekick is a talking snowball named Bruce. Yeah, so I think Zero just kind of became bitter and, and an evil side because he is a perfectionist, and he can't also freeze Easter Valley. That is the exception to the rule, and it's driving him nuts. Yeah, like to jump around the timeline a little bit, at the end of the special, like Santa and Zero have this kind of like moment where their relationship becomes a little more clear. Like, it's almost like Santa in his workshop. Yes, right at the end when they when they catch him. To the North Pole, like Disney is to Orlando or Delta is to Atlanta. You know, like... <laughs> Like, cause he threatens, like, I'll take the, I'll take my business elsewhere. And he's like, oh no. Oh yeah. Uh, Santa off says, you know, I got a good offer from the South Pole and I'm considering it. If Zero doesn't put back the Easter lily, which he's, he does steal. First of all, is that a thing? Can Santa move out of the North Pole? And secondly, well, I mean, I guess he can because you, you have other traditions, especially in Europe where he lives. He doesn't live in the North Pole. He might live in like, very northern Norway or Finland. And this Santa, I mean, because he's doing the Easter Bunny's job at the, the Easter Valley, like, this Santa seems to kind of do whatever he wants. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't really seem to play by any rules. 
Well, should Santa move to the South Pole? There's a lot more charted land there. Yeah. I don't know if that's the best idea. We will get back to that conversation with Zero and Santa Claus, but... Well, no, we won't. First, we'll we'll mention, you know, Zero gets kind of shocked and just like, whoa, 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 you're just going to leave me all alone here? No elves? No Sunday night dinners with Mrs. Claus? Zero has Sunday night dinners with Mrs. Claus? I know. She's going, eat, eat. <laughs> yeah, okay, I can see that happening. No midnight rides with the reindeer, so... This has definitely been boiling up. It sounds like Zero is having a pretty fun time up there. I mean, yeah. Zero confuses me. We will get back to him. So Stuffy heads out. He tries to hop. He's a brand new rabbit. He wants to give it a shot. Bumps right into a tree, and then he meets up with our shifty rabbit trio from before, and they don't recognize him. The whole plot about Stuffy not being real and that whole Velveteen Rabbit conflict is done. That arc is out the window. This special is really good at establishing details and then never circling back around to them. Yeah, and it moves along at a pretty good pace. Like, it's only 24 minutes, and they cover a lot of ground here. They do, but there are so many Chekhov's guns that are just left unfired here. True. Like... Like we said before, they just drop things and then never come back to yeah. them. And it's just, well, I guess we're never finding out the answer to that. Stuffy mentions he's off to Easter Valley where the Golden Easter Lily is. And Spats immediately goes, Golden Easter Lily, eh? And you see the three converse like they're going to hatch some scheme. And again, nothing ever happens with that. Yeah, because they turn out to help. Yeah, they turn out to help. And, you know, they do meet up with Santa Claus. He's there waiting for the Easter Bunny. Because one, they're neighbors, and I guess he knows that he's coming, so he's just like, I figured I'd help you out since we're neighbors with similar jobs. But like this whole operation, this whole operation of painting eggs and everything is already going on because that's what Santa's there doing. Oh. But yet, Stuffy is the first Easter I didn't rabbit. I pick up on that. So, like, what the heck, Santa? Why doing? is this happening? <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, that, may, that would explain why he's wearing that. Those painters' overalls. Yeah, because he's like, I'm here to help out. And okay, he's um, here to help out. But okay, has he Santa been- here has pink has a pink nose and ears. Like he's got the same coloring on his face as the rabbit. Um, hmm. like most of the, like the humans back in town are done. In a, like they're the same animation style as the Night Before Christmas special. Yes, except they have no, uh, the whites to their eyes. Only the kids do. Yeah, the Night Before Christmas, yeah. or if you've seen The Hobbit, which uh, they made after this, it's similar to that. Yeah. Um, but I was expecting this Santa to look... I don't know why, but I wanted him to look like the one from Frosty, but he doesn't. No, he does not. Um... I also wanted the Easter Rabbit. Like, I wish they had connected this to Frosty and had Hocus Pocus be the first oh, Easter Rabbit. Oh, that would have been great. <laughs> oh, come on. Bring back Hocus. Because he was the best part of he Frosty. He was the best made. part of Frosty. <laughs> As I said last time I was here. Okay. They get to uh, Easter Valley through this hollow tree that you mentioned. And that also kind of looks like the caves in The Hobbit. It came out a year after this. So it's like they're going through yeah. Gollum's cave. That opening looked very suggestive. Oh, no. Oh! (laughs) You can edit that out if need be. (laughs) Good night, everybody. That's our show! No, all right. I I did edit it from what I wrote in my notes. (laughs) (laughs) All right. 
But yeah, Santa's there and our shady rabbit friends ask him, well, what's in it for us? And they're redeemed before they even do anything wrong. Because Santa explains to them, well, giving presents is a talent. Try it. Start by giving a little gift of love to a child. And then that's it. Santa rides off in a reindeer, and that's how the Easter Bunny gets started. End. They start making colored eggs. No story behind that. Instead... I guess it was explained to him in the song. I guess that was it. I guess, like, nope, there's that rabbit. That's what he does. You don't need to know why. (laughs) Take that blue from the sky. We'll tell you that later in another special, like, two or three years from now. Instead, we cut to Stuffy kind of looking glum because he misses his Glinda. So he goes to visit her and tells her there's going to be a parade on Easter Sunday. So she goes to look for a dress to wear and find she has no clothes in her closet because mom burned them all. And Burlive sadly tells us that the time came for her mother to tell her the truth. What truth? That you were sick? Did she not understand she was sick? (laughs) Kids are smart, man. Glinda's no dummy. And then, of course, the rabbit has the bird go and tell the doctor. That's okay. Yeah, to get them a dress or something. The doctor comes back off. Uh, comes back at the end when it's Easter. And the doctor's like, "Call me Jonathan." Yes, he's, he definitely has the hots for mom. He does. Well, even before that, he's just like he has his last visit, where he's telling mom, and she's like, she keeps saying something about stuff or stuffy. Oh, it's a silly old rabbit that used to be hers. It's probably nothing. And Dr. Jonathan, who doesn't reveal his name yet, it's just doctor. They're on a professional doctor-client relationship at this point then. And he's just like, make sure you take care of yourself too, okay? But the way he says it is kind of, where are you going, doctor? And then here, it's Easter Sunday and doctor shows up with these packages jonathan please right in the door all of a sudden very informal with mom there yeah and then they're like i mean they're basically together when we get to the easter parade i mean it is a nice gesture he kindly brings these beautiful easter dresses to mom and glinda mom asks how he knew first of all the answer is because i'm the guy who told you to burn all your clothes lady (laughs) <laughs> True, I didn't think of that. Secondly, he says a little bird told me, and he winks to this bird who's been helping Stuffy find Easter Valley. It's the same bird. Where do these people live that it's, like, right down the road from the North Pole? Uh, probably the same place that Karen lived in, Frosty. Oh, could, yeah. <laughs> well, New York. <laughs> Armand, New York. So. <laughs> yeah, which is apparently pretty close to the North Pole. No, well, I'm not that close. <laughs> I guess um, we just forego the just passage of time. It just never very I long to get that. to the North Pole, no matter how they go. Yes. The magic of Christmas in an Easter special. But again, it's just, you know, I'm the guy who told you to burn all your clothes, so I'm doing something nice. But Doctor's a little strange about it. Uh, meanwhile, in Zero's quest to find his way into Easter Valley, Bruce finds this hollow tree, snitches to Zero, and then immediately regrets his decision when we see Zero kind of laughing maniacally. So here it's the day before Easter. They steal the Easter lily, and it's snowing. The bunnies are trapped inside. Have you ever been snowed in somewhere or otherwise, like, trapped somewhere due to weather where you couldn't get out even if you wanted to? Um... Again, I live in South Georgia, and so I've never been snowed in. <laughs> um, I've never lived up north where there is much in the way of oh, snow. Okay. 
Uh, I guess when we've had curfews because of hurricanes. Yeah, that's the closest I could come up with here. I mean, I've been not snowed in. I've had to stay overnight places when it snowed. Because I had to work, I worked at the radio station that used to call out all of the school closing, the snow closing numbers for schools the next morning. So I had to work. And then I would get back to my car and there'd be a pile of snow on top because they plow the parking lot. And I'm the only car in there. So it's just like five feet of snow on my car that I got to dig out. Mm -hmm. But that's the closest I can come up with. But the chimney is conveniently not blocked. Because it's a chimney. That's how they work. Bruce snitches to Santa that, hey, Zero did something bad and we need to talk about it. So Santa comes and rescues them. So once again, without Christmas, we couldn't have Easter. Thank you, Santa. Yeah. And like Santa even brings the sleigh and stuff. Right. And they really like Santa becomes the hero of this special more than Stuffy. (laughs) Santa painted the eggs. Santa delivers or provides the way for them to deliver to deliver right. it off. And again, they established that they only have what a week or two weeks before Easter. So yeah, and they even say like, "Do like I did," and this is Santa saying, "Do like I did," and just try it out for one town this year, right? And then you can do more next right. year. And that has carried over from Santa Claus is coming to town and many other stories about Santa Claus's origins, where he starts in one area and then he spreads out to the whole world of children. So this yeah. absolutely makes sense. And then, so he goes to his own town, and he delivers this nice little package to Glinda of, of an Easter basket with a bonnet. And then that's when Dr. Jonathan shows up with the matching dress. We cut to the Easter parade song, Stuffy and his pals. And here, in the Easter parade song, at first I was like, pretty good song and then i was like wait i know this song it's from the movie easter parade and apparently it actually predates that movie too yes um they just put it in there you know i guess it was you know worked in for the kids they thought they'd like this right song. well and um, you know a lot of these rank and bass specials are based on songs rudolph was a song frosty the snowman well no that started out yeah. as a story and they made it into a song but so that part doesn't surprise um, one thing me what that- did surprise me about the parade is that they showed people of color in the crowd. They did. Um, uh, that was not, I mean, not too many. Which is rare enough in Rankin Bass that it stood out right. to me. It was mid-70s, so they're starting to realize, hey, we need to include this. Um, I think I think that started back in Twas the Night Before Christmas. I think they had like a black family or two. I haven't watched that one in 30 years. Oh, so yeah, I'll that's a good one. Yeah, I remember like you know, as a kid. <laughs> I guess it's not been thirty years. I'm not right. quite that old, but um, so I've never been to an Easter parade. Have you? Um, actually, yes. Okay. Uh, when I was in high school, my high school band went to the Netherlands. Oh wow! To march in the Easter in Maastricht. Whoa! Parade. Because Easter parades are a big deal in all the towns over there. They actually have them on Easter Monday. Okay. And marching bands are a big deal. Like, they go crazy for us, and hmm. the, or they went crazy for Like, it was a parade of pretty much nothing but bands. Um, okay. And So not like we see in this special. No, there weren't, like, people. At least, I don't know. I was in the parade. I couldn't see the whole thing. This parade is, I mean, I, there was a marching band, but it's mostly just people dressed up nice. Yeah, it mostly seems Easter. like an excuse for these people to show off their Easter clothes. Pretty much. Uh, but... 
Are there that many hats with birds on them? Were there in your Easter parade? I don't know if probably not if you were in the Netherlands, but yeah, I just remember it being raining. Oh no. Um, so many hats with birds on them in this special. And it's like, I never associated that with Easter. I mean, I guess. Chicken. Well, Easter bonnets, which you always hear about more than you ever really see. Yeah, I guess you have. Little- I don't know. Like when I was a kid, the church I went to, like the old ladies would like have an Easter bonnet contest on the day we had the church Easter oh. egg hunt. And they would make these elaborate hats that they would never actually wear because they would have like bird nest on them and stuff. They? Okay, so that's a thing. Um, yeah, they would put like the plastic grass from East kids Easter baskets like on oh. top of a hat and like basically have a basket on their head. Okay, I'm just thinking these are like weird things. Yeah, I'm just um, thinking they didn't look fancy like these. I mean, fancy with quotation marks like these did. Um, they just look tacky. Okay, which you could say the same about these. Oh, I could say exactly <laughs> the same. So that must be what they were trying to go with here. But the only Easter bonnets I remember, I can think of when I visualize Easter bonnet is just. Simple, large-brimmed hat with flowers and ribbons, not birds and nests. So, but I guess that's a thing. I don't know. Yeah, um, my experience is limited, but it didn't surprise me. <laughs> and that's when we come back to after this parade, and and we go through the song. We go, we cut back to zero, confronted by Santa at his workshop, uh, and the other rabbits are there. First of all, we'll get back to those other rabbits. Uh, but Zero threatens to melt Bruce to the size of a tennis ball for snitching on him in front of Santa. One, he's cool threatening Bruce in front of Santa Claus at Santa's house. Two, he can melt things too. Yeah, um, I didn't even pick up on that. He can melt things. He can unwinter. I guess if you control the weather, if you make things stay frozen, if you just don't use your powers to make him stay frozen, I guess they would melt. I guess so. Uh-huh. I g- um, guess he's been doing that a lot in recent years. Yeah, like Zero and Santa, like, I w- like I would really like to know more about their relationship. Like I we really said, like, would. At the beginning, I was like, okay, so he's evil, but Santa's okay with using him, and then you find out, oh, no, it's more like this beneficial relationship for both of them. But, like you said, Bruce, I mean, Santa... Zero is here threatening Bruce right in front of Santa. He doesn't seem that scared of Santa as far as any kind of repercussions for that. He's afraid of Santa moving out. Yeah. But yet, you know, he's just flaunting his bad behavior right in front of Santa. I don't know. Like, are they equals? Are they partners? They're clearly not equals. Uh, I, I, I don't know. There's something going on there. There's something more. We need... We, we need, need a We need the tale of zero. Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't make I don't that. know. With so many unanswered questions with this one, we probably won't ever get the tale of zero. I don't know. Rankin Bass seems to be coming up with all these like CG animated sequels with some of their other lesser characters like the Miser Brothers and stuff in the last few years. Well, they were popular. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, they were. But I'm just saying, you know, like there's still not a large set of competition for Easter specials. So maybe Rankin Bass needs to, you know, put their stamp on it. All hope is not lost for discovering the origins of Zero. What I want to know the origin of is, okay, at the end we hear Whiskers calling him, Hey, GB, right you are. And then we find out, oh, that's the GB. That's the guy narrating this. We never find out what that stands for. Take a stab at it. 
Great Bunny. Great Bunny. I think it might be Glinda's Bunny, which would... Gangsta Bunny. Glin... What? Glinda's Bunny. Which would be dumb. Yeah. But that's the only thing I can think of. Otherwise, just... Why is that in there? Again, you don't explain it, so it doesn't make sense. And it even as a kid, I was like, huh, wait, oh, that's you. Why is that you, though? Yeah, I, like I said, it did actually catch me by surprise. Um, even though, you know, when I was thinking back on it, it seemed obvious because that's the kind of thing these stories do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's me, Austin. But I don't know. Burl Lives is the narrator snowman in Frost in Rudolph, and he never, like... He has no other role but to narrate. Yeah, well, so. Burl Ives was a last-minute um, addition to that one, so that's excusable. Here, they yeah. brought him back because he had that previous reputation with Rankin Bass, so it's just like, come on, come do this Easter one. And then all of a sudden, you're right, it, it, it should be obvious, but it I don't know. I like that a Rankin Bass special can still surprise yeah. me. <laughs> 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 and I'm not that much of a cynical adult that I could still be surprised by a plot. There you go. Rankin Bass. Um, this is completely unimportant. Um, but talking about the Burl Lives mm-hmm. narrator bunny, the GB at the very beginning, whenever he goes to start telling the story and he like, he uses his tail to brush off the stump <laughs> that he's going to yeah. sit on. Like, I really thought that was an animated fart oh, no. or poop or something <laughs> at first. Cause it looks weird. Like it looks like a, like a poof cloud or something coming out of his butt. Um, they tried to make. I, mean, I noticed that again tonight. It's still like that. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Like I rewound it to make sure that's like, not what I was. No, he's just trying to brush away snow. But any any other notes? Um, actually, in the credits, I was surprised to see. I mean, aside from the voice actors, which are in the beginning credits, but in the end credits, I was surprised to see the name Don Hahn on sound. And I don't know if does that ring a bell for you? It rings a bell, but all right. Well, he went on as he was the producer for Beauty and the Beast, The Lion oh, King, The Hunchback yeah. of Notre Dame. He worked for Disney, and you know, like he, right. he produced so Beauty and the Beast. So he was nominated for the uh-huh. Best Picture Oscar, and like he went on to direct that documentary about that time period in Disney on Waking Sleeping Beauty. Right. And um. So then I started looking up the other animators, and you know I won't go through them all. It's a lot of Japanese names that I'm not sure how okay. to say, but like these animators went on to do um, a lot of the Studio Ghibli stuff. Oh, I hope, and um, Batman: Mask of the Phantasm. Um, one of the animators did directed the anime scene in Kill Bill Volume One. Nice. Um, they worked on the Last Unicorn. Okay. Superman, the animated series. Um, I can see that jump from this to maybe The Hobbit to The Last Unicorn and on from there. That makes a lot more sense now that you mention that. Yeah. And this special aired on NBC. Yes, it did. And it was presented by Sunshine Bakers. Sunshine Bakers. Who makes Cheez-Its and Hydrox. That's right. The original Oreo. Yeah. And all the three major networks wanted their own Easter special, it sounds like, Mm -hmm. because we mentioned the three Easter specials that Rankin Best did, and they all aired on a different network. Yeah, that's right. So I assume that's what happened. Like They were like, get us one of those Easter specials. I want one of those. So this was number two, and then Easter Bunny's Coming to Town is 
that was probably the ABC. Yeah, because that one aired on ABC. So CBS had the first one because CBS usually gets the first ones. You know, they had all the Christmas specials, or at least the more well-known ones. Yeah, the earlier ones. Okay. Well, Brandon, if people want to threaten to melt you down to the size of a tennis ball, where can they find you on the great big internet? I'm most active over on Twitter at BrandMed. That's B-R-A-N-D-M-E-D. And you can also find me on Instagram and Tumblr under BlessedAreTheGeek. Very good. Well, thank you once again for joining me in the Advent Calendar House. And next time we'll actually do a special you like. Because you'll be back for another Rankin Bass special for Christmas time. Yeah. We're going to have you on. Uh, you requested The Life and Adventures of Santa Claus, which is a bonker special that I can't wait to get in with you. It's so I, metal. Oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> it really is. And I mentioned to uh, my podcasting pal Paxton Holly from Nerd Lunch and like three, five other shows, because he's a big fan of L. Frank Baum and The Wizard of Oz stories and that whole universe and that's the same author for that so yeah one of my nice. first years teaching i was like i need a short like kid-friendly christmas chapter book to do read aloud and i hadn't i read the wizard of oz as a kid but i had never read the life and adventures of santa claus and i picked that up and started reading it to the kids and it gets pretty out there and is not a good read aloud book <laughs> for <laughs> students because it's got some crazy stuff in it that they had trouble keeping up with. Yeah, um, that's that's a bit much. It's pretty bonkers. And, it is. Um, and they make it even weirder for the special. They do. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that will have to wait until December. As for our next episode, I'll be dropping in again before December. There won't be much of a Christmas tie-in next time, but there will be a rabbit. Rabbit.